It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. Greetings and welcome to the show today, or to the podcast, however you're listening. Uh, today we go to part two on what's a Christian. Uh, I find that sometimes it helps breaking it down into common street-level language, what we mean by some of these spiritual statements. So today's show is designed to help you understand how a Christian is understood and what's it like to be one. And if you are one already, you're going to love it too, because I'm basically telling you what you are, which is pretty enlightening, really. That's a powerful thing to be a believer. It's not a it's not a knock-kneed kind of mamby-pamby thing. It is a powerful thing to be one of the points on planet where God has been given the privilege of doing his work through. That's through you. So listen to the message. I think you'll enjoy it and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you before we depart today. A Christian is someone who has found... A Christian is somebody who every day of their life is being found. Because all of us have gone straight, we've gone our own way. He said, chase us down. I love it when somebody says to me, I found the Lord back in 69. <laughs> well, where was he? You know, <laughs> God was lost. He said, where am I? Where am I? How find me? <laughs> no, God's never been lost. Who's lost? You're lost every day. Here's what it is to be a Christian. Every day is to be found by God. I love Jesus' parable. I told the parable of this lady who had a bunch of coins, I think there were ten. She lost one, kind of down the floor, wherever. She looked and she looked and she looked until she found it. You know, we interpret that parable as though we are the lady who lost the coins and we're looking for it. But who is the lady in this parable, really? God. And who's the lost coin? We are. And Isaiah, uh, Isaiah predicted that God's people in the time of the Messiah would be called those sought out. You know, isn't that cool? Your job isn't to find God every day because you're not good-looking enough, you're not charming enough, you're too stupid. So am I. We're all too lazy to carry on a persistent search. The good news is, every day, all you have to do is let Him catch you. He will find you. We are people being found every day of our life. Isn't that beautiful? It takes the heat off you, doesn't it? So you, people say, well, have you found what you're looking for yet? You say, no, I, I'm not looking. I'm lost and I'm looking to be found. Christ came to save all that was lost. And he does it every day. He finds you. You don't have to worry about it. I love it when people say, Doug, don't get too prideful when you do ministry. You know what? It's impossible to stay prideful and do ministry. Because you have too many people who are willing to let the Holy Spirit have a break and work on your life transformation. <laughs> In fact, the Holy Spirit has an easy job, I, from what I observe with pastors. So, no one's a reviver, a, 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 no one's an arriver. You can't be a Christian being an arriver. You can't be a Christian and find God either. You can only be a cross Christian if he's found you. Third, you can't. all Christians are what, what clearly the Bible describes as half-full glasses. The adage of, you know, put water in a glass. There's a certain mentality that says, my gosh, that glass is half empty. Right? There's another vantage point that says it's half-full. Christians are half-full people. Ephesians 5 says, 
be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Greek text there describes a state of constantly being filled. It says, be ye constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Christians are optimists. Crash, totally sold out optimists because we are in the state of constantly being filled with that which is true life. Isn't that beautiful? You have reason for optimism. Turn to the person next to you and say, my glass is half full. Okay. Yeah. Not a brick short, but a half full. Half full. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you letting the Holy Spirit fill you every day? That's, that's all you have to do is let Him fill you and you'll be filled with optimism. Okay, next. Christians are those who are under construction. You're a construction process. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul said, you're all the temple of God. And if you look at the text, he's saying, you are all under construction. How many contractors here? Yeah, contractors, married contractors, been around contractors, have driven by contractors working. <laughs> Does, you know, when we look at each other, we keep looking for each other to be complete projects. But actually, if you've driven past a place where they've just got the footings down, you can kind of picture how big the building is going to be, but you really don't know for sure. Uh, some of us have the wall up, no sheetrock. Some of us got our foundations up. We've been working on the same foundations for a long time. The Lord has. The beauty of being under construction is that you accept the process again of being built. None of us comes fully erected. Our parents didn't really get us fully prepared for life. It's impossible. That's why we need God the Father. Right? And the beauty of this, too, if you're a construction project, I've worked with a little construction. I've never had a two-before say, no, don't put me there. Put me over here. <laughs> or a brick in a pile say, get me off this pile. Get me off this pile. Put me on the wall. No, what, what do they do? Their job is to cooperate. Let a few nails be driven in their head. Right? You're under construction. And you'll never be done. The Lord is always doing a little addition. Let's put on another room over here, another room over there. And that's why we can be patient. I love this one. I don't like bumper stickers usually, but I like this one. It says, be patient with me. I'm under construction. I find a lot of us are afraid people are going to find out that we're not fully built yet. And, and we keep the construction part of our life behind a facade. We've put the facade up before we put the framed in the wall. People drive by and see the nice marble gargoyles out front. They don't know inside, they don't have any carpet. In fact, there may not even be any floor. The truth is, none of us is complete yet. Isn't that cool? We're in construction. Next, a believer is someone who has New vision. We have a new way of seeing the world. Paul said this in Corinthians, uh, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. He said, we no longer walk by sight, but what do we do? Walk by faith. We have a new way of seeing. Uh, if you rem I remember when I received Christ, it was amazing to me because the sky was bluer than I'd ever seen it. When I saw people 
they looked prettier than I'd ever seen. There were a few that didn't help much, but they were pretty. They would look, everything looked a little different. It's sort of like this. I have a friend who loves guns, and, and he, he invited me to Cincinnati, and, and he, he, we, he wanted me to see these neat, he bought some Army night vision goggles. And we put them on, and we went out, we, he had two sets, and we went out in the woods. He says, this is going to be cool, watch it. So I put these night glasses on, and I mean, there were so many varmints out there. It's not safe to be out there at night, I want you to know that. <laughs> And you see things you can't normally see. When you're a Christian, you begin to see by faith, and you see God places you never thought he was. Christians are people with a new vision. John 9 is a picture of all of us. man had been blind since his youth. Jesus prayed for him, and he could see everything. And he said this, All I know is, once I was blind, but now I see. That's what it is to be a Christian. To have a new way of seeing sort of like being an inside trader. You have an advantage. I don't encourage inside trading, but it's, it's, it's sort of like that. You have inside information. You see things that no one else sees. And you want to stay that way too. Yes? Mm -hmm. Number one was, uh, oh, you keep, Christians keep orderly outlines, records. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Christians are becomers. <laughs> we'll pray with you after the service. <laughs> it's, all, it's all right, honey. You'll be okay. <laughs> okay, next. Christians are patients being healed. Uh, I love all this talk about dysfunctional families. I've been ministering to people for 32 years. I have never met a fully functional family. And I found the ones that think they are functional are the worst in their dysfunction. <laughs> you know, no family produces perfectly balanced children psychologically. Nobody, because I've got news for you. We're all fallen. <laughs> Jeez, that's the tragedy of it all. We're all sick. Humanity is broken and sick. And some of us are not only sick, but we're carriers. <laughs> All of us need to be healed. I've never met a human that didn't have some degree of personality disorder. And we're all broken up spiritually. We all struggle with trusting God. We're all riddled with weird fears about God and life. It's one of the main reasons people don't come to Christ, because we're afraid. Two main reasons people don't receive Christ. We're lazy, and we have fear. You're listening again to a message I shared a while ago in a, in a rather large setting, actually. And uh, it's called, what, What's a Christian? As you've been listening, you figured that out. I encourage you again to take the step, walk that way. And if you are uh, interested in having a school of evangelism, which is one of my main things I've done over the years, and I've refined it to really update it and make sure it's just really right in hitting the spot, uh, you can reach us at our website as well, and uh, com. And I would love to do... We do them either on an all-day Saturday or a Wednesday-Thursday night format. It's a school of evangelism. Basically, what I've found is I can take 10% of any church that are usually more evangelistically inclined, and my training really is so perfected and so good that I've seen churches grow immensely just from 10 to 15% of the people knowing how to share their faith effectively 
because there is a little knack to it. Pastors don't usually do that really well. I'm an evangelist. I'm, I'm not that great a pastor. I, I never was really a great, great pastor. I'm a, I'm a good evangelist. I, I like to talk to people about Jesus, and I've learned how to do that. And so our course, which is simply we call it School of Evangelism, we could do that at your church. I don't want to do it. I, everybody's trying to get me to put it on a course, on a course where you download it. And you're like, I, I don't really want to do that because the way I do it, I kind of interact and respond and answer questions you actually have at the time. And sometimes there's a part three version. I actually go out with people at the church, and I'll actually go door to door with you, <laughs> which is which is fun. Uh, you don't like that, I can tell, but uh, it's it, it's fun. And uh, so that's kind of an added feature down the road if you want to do it or not. But the course itself is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And so I make that available. Go to our website, say, hey, we want one. Okay? God bless you. I hope you enjoy the teaching. I think it is probably needed today more than any other topic. How do we tell people what being a Christian is? And now back to more Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. Now, now what I find is in the church we, we, we have shame. Because we're ill. And we don't know where to get help. That's one of the the reasons we have AA. And I think churches should have AA meetings and CA meetings. Because you discover that there really are other people who have these kinds of illnesses. Right? Uh, You know, all of us here, one out of three of us here statistically, it's probably not true in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a much happier community. But in in the... in the population at large, at large, one out of three people go to church are experiencing pretty serious depression. And there's something really, there's something kind of encouraging when you go to a depression support group and you see all the other people are, you know, depressed. And you, and you see some that are really depressed and you realize, hey, I'm not so bad off. <laughs> Look at that goofball, man. <laughs> and we kind of encourage... But there's a lot of shame comes into our lives when we, we think everybody else is perfectly healed. And sometimes churches behave like bad hospitals. I, you, know, you go to a hospital, a doctor doesn't come in and say, what's wrong with you? And you say, well, I've got diabetes. And you say, oh my God, we can't have that around here. It's, it's bad for business. We've got to have only healed people. Get out of here. Go on down, down, go on down to the service station. They'll help you. <laughs> no, what, when you go to a hospital, they expect you to be sick, right? Getting healed. The, the Greek word for salvation has, in my estimation, hasn't been translated properly in our culture context for decades. It's the word sozo, and we translate it saved. I remember somebody, first time they said to me, Do you want to get saved? I'd never gone to church, never read a Bible. The only person I'd even seen come close to using such words was Billy Graham on TV. And, and I looked at him and said, Saved from what? The word originally was a medical term. And it meant to be healed completely. So when we ask people who want to get saved, what we're saying is, do you want to come and be part of a community that's being healed up? Do you want to get rid of the shame? I once had a guy come, come up and ask me to pray with him after service. I, I uh, kind of noticed when he received the Lord and, and hadn't thought much about it. I could tell he was troubled often, and he liked to sit in the second row. But he came up after one service. It was on a, a Wednesday night. And he walked up to me and he said, Pastor, I, I, I've got a problem. I need to talk to you. And I said, it's cool. I said, what is it? And he says, I'm gay. And he was so serious. And everybody gets so worked up about this stuff. And I'd seen so many people healed. Of that, but I started laughing. I don't know why. I started laughing. I said, ooh, that's a big one. LAUGHTER <laughs> 
he looked kind of startled. And I said, that's an easy one for Jesus. I said, I, I, I thought you were going to tell me that you were a liar. <laughs> and so I said, we've, we've got a support group. I want to send you to, to the support group. I introduced him to the team. And he, he lived a celibate life for a number of months, uh, years. The desires were still there, he told me, but he was able by Christ to live a celibate life, which is godly. But then a few years back, he wrote me a note, a five-page letter, actually, and told me he had been totally cured. And he said, I know when that moment started. He said, when I told you I was homosexual, and you started laughing, <laughs> and said you were glad I wasn't a liar. <laughs> He said, I knew, I knew I was accepted. He said, I knew that my problem wasn't that big compared to God. And he said, I don't know how to describe it, but he said, I was begin my healing process right there. Don't we all as people, don't we have pictures of certain problems that we think God really, those are pretty big for God, right? True, isn't it? That's why people who have been healed of different things have greater faith sometimes for other people. I'm not really great for some people, you know. If somebody just has poor judgment, I, I really, I don't, I'm not a very good counselor for them. Because I normally will say, you did what? What is wrong with you? But I've helped a lot of addicts, and if somebody says, I it's not, I, I think I know that they're going to be fine. Everybody's got to have somebody who believes they're going to be healed. That's true. So a Christian is a patient who's getting healed. Next, and I'm moving quickly here, a Christian is a sign. Jesus put it this way, you are the light of the world. Let's say this together, I am the light of the world, okay? I am the light of the world, which means you're a sign. Uh, you have a beautiful neon sign down here on the road. I saw it, and it has purple grapes on it, and everything is cool. One thing I know about that sign they don't, you don't go down at that street and say, now you'd be a good sign. And light up tonight. Because you're a sign, you've got to act like a sign. You can do that all night long, and that thing's still going to be unseen at night, right? What you do is you come and turn the power on. And then it lights up. That's a sign. We're all a sign. The Bible calls us witnesses. And he says, you don't take a candle, put it under a, a, a bushel container. You don't put it out of sight. You hold the candle up. Here's what Christians forget. No matter what you do, you're a sign. It says Jesus is real. All of us are assigned to someone. You can't help it. You're a sign. Next, I'm almost done. Believe me. Seriously. I always hate it when a preacher says, I'm almost done. My last point. You know there's ten more to go and it's going to be one more hour. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Next is, we are forgiven. Of all people on the planet, we're forgiven. That's what Christians are. Our task is to allow God's forgiveness to seep into every cell and membrane of our body. We are forgiven. And we're to give forgiveness away. The Bible says you'll only be forgiven as deeply as you forgive others. And that's why some of you here today don't feel very forgiven. Because you've not forgiven others. Beautiful thing when you forgive others, you realize, oh boy, I'm forgiven that much too. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the awareness that we are always far more than what we do wrong. Isn't that, what, isn't that what it means? It means to send sins away. As far as the east is from the west, so has God driven away our sins. Isn't that a beautiful state to live in? 
We are to live as forgiven people. Not keep records on ourselves or others. We are forgiven. We are not defined by what we do wrong anymore. I had a woman come to one of our services and she said, Doug, can we have a section where all the people who have been, been divorced could see, be seated so we would kind of know each other that we're struggling with it? And I said, well, hey, I got a better idea. Let's have the divorce section. Over here we'll have the cocaine addict section and the alcoholic section. The whole middle is going to have to be filled with the gossip section. And uh, <laughs> let's define everybody by our sins. No. We are defined by our identity with Jesus Christ. You know, when, and, and God's rememberer about you is broken. He's like your old senile grandfather. I, my grandfather could tell the same story ten times within one conversation. Anybody have a granddad like this? But the years always change. <laughs> I couldn't figure out when he'd share this thing. Well, that's what God's going to be like. We're gonna, you go to heaven when you're a Christian, you're going to go to heaven and you're going to come up and you're going to start to apologize. And you say, oh God, I'm sorry about 1995. When I, you know, I was just betrayed you. And Oh man. And he's going to look at you and you say, huh? I don't remember that. Holy Spirit, you remember that? No, oh, I don't remember. Jesus, you remember? No, I don't remember that. Because he's only going to remember one thing. Jesus' perfect life. And his sacrifice for your sins. There's no record of your sins in heaven when you receive Jesus Christ. You're forgiven. They've destroyed all the videotapes. Aren't you glad? <laughs> and finally, a Christian is somebody who's wanted. Romans 8 says we have received, as does Galatians, we have received the spirit of adoption were wanted. You know, you shouldn't pop your knuckles like that. You know, because you know what happens to them. By the time you're my age, the knuckles are like this big around. <laughs> but don't be embarrassed. About it. You're wanted. I had a kid come to me and he just had found out who his real parents were, and he was really chagrined by this. I, I didn't know. I, he hadn't, hadn't told him he was adopted. His parents hadn't told him he was adopted until he's 12 years old, which is a cruel thing to do to a kid. So he comes and says, what am I going to do? I, I thought I was their kid. I'm not really their kid. And I said, Jim, I said, here's the beauty of the thing. When I was born into my family, <laughs> they couldn't help it. <laughs> the difference between me and you is you were wanted. They got to see you, and they saw you in the orphanage, they saw you over here, and they picked you, and they said, we want that one. And your whole life, you lived wanted. That's what it is to be adopted. And here's what a lot of us forget, that we're wanted. We're not just tolerated. We're literally wanted. And we know that by the spirit of adoption. You're listening again to a message I shared a while ago in a in a rather large setting, actually. And uh, it's called, what, What's a Christian? As you've been listening, you figured that out. I encourage you again to take the step, walk that way. Many have asked me, how can I get this on podcasts? Go to kcisradio.com, kcisradio.com, and you'll find it under Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. 
and you can get it on your little podcast thing. And I hope you'll enjoy it in that form, too. And thank you for spreading the word about it. Let me tell you how you can help us with the show. Uh, It does take some resources. We have some generous people who've stepped up and helped us out with a great deal of it. But if you would like to support us, what we have is an offer uh, this month for any who can help us financially. It's called A Way Through the Wilderness, a great book by Jamie Buckingham. And the reason I've chosen this book is, one, Jamie was one of my dearest friends. And I think this is one of the finest books ever written on the Exodus Crossing. It is loaded with tremendous insights that you rarely find anywhere else. And it's a great book. I'm, I'm going to send it to you for whatever gift you can give to help us stay on the air. It's called A Way Through the Wilderness. All you have to do is you can do one of three things. You can either uh, go to our PayPal, which is Doug Murin at PayPal. Leave your address. The book will go out to you. Or you can send any size contribution to Caught on Tape or just Doug Murin to 1806 Fifth Street, Wenatchee, W-E-N-A-T-C-H-E-E, Washington. Get this. Here's the zip. 98801. 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington. Send any size gift with your address. I'll get the book out to you. Or you can go to our website, which is DougMurinRadio.com. DougMurinRadio.com. And you can follow the donation section. And I'll make sure you get that book. It's a tremendous book. Not only will you help me, but I know I'm going to get to help you with this book. So God bless you. We do thank you for your support. If you would like a live radio show outreach at your church... Just contact us at any of those numbers. Uh, my email is doug.murin at gmail.com. doug.murin at gmail.com. And we are starting to do some outreaches. I'm not doing a lot of them, but we are starting to do one. I hope you enjoy the show, and God bless you, and thank you for your generosity. Caught on Tape with Doug Murin is a listener and friend-supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, Caught on Tape, at 1806 Fifth Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801. Or online at DougMurinRadio.com.